0: to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have the professor.
1: You're just not going to stop that, are you?
0: Oh, it's such... It, it, I, I just love being... I just like to make an entrance.
1: Yeah, you said that last time as well. <laughs> and it worked, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's working. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, just the, uh, just the usual. Lots of dodgy companies doing dodgy things. And turns out we were wrong about something.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we, we were really wrong. Uh, yeah, that. Um, so earlier in our episodes, we were talking about Tatiana Maslany and being casted as She-Hulk. Uh, turns out that was fake news. <sighs> so... For those who were for, for those who were who are curious, so basically uh, there were new there was news about uh, She-Hulk uh, the TV series and Tatiana Maslany was selected quote unquote as she as Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk. Uh, turns out it was a it was false and um, it was given at an interview in the on a website called the Sudbury Star and. And the um, so there were so they asked her about um her casting as She Hulk, and basically her response was, "quote That actually isn't a real thing. It's like a press release that has gotten out of hand. It's totally not. I've been connected to these things in the past, and press has gotten onto it, but it's not actually a thing, unfortunately." Ah,
1: yeah. Let's hope that's the only dodgy stuff we ever do.
0: Yep. Yes, indeed.
1: We've some great dodgy
0: companies coming up later. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> Well, there are some companies that, that's been doing some um, good things lately. I mean, uh, there is that Swiss um, company that made a supercarrier.
1: Yeah, Wilhelmus Wallace or something. Yeah, Wilhelmus Wilhelmus Wilhelmsen. Wilhelmsen. I keep getting those two backwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Wilhelmsen Marine, but yeah. Yeah, it's
1: a... Um... Oh, yes, yeah, so the Wilhelmsen is that biggest ship,
0: mm-hmm. which it's a bit of a funny
1: um, coincidence. Uh, what's the word? The Beta-Meinhof Effect? <laughs> that last week I talked about the book Delta V by uh, Daniel Suarez. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time I was reading his book uh, Kill Decision, which is about AI drones, and the uh, one of the scenes in the book takes place on the Willenius Wilhelmson, which turns up in this article again as the biggest ship owned by uh, Willenius But we're not talking Cut. about that ship today. We're talking about the uh, the Ocean Bird. So, Wellenius is building a giant sail powered car carrier with room for 7,000 vehicles. The sails are telescopic and made out of sheet metal, or sheet composite, actually. Um, so, it's not like the age of sail where everything's fabric, but this is the 2020s version of the sail ship. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny that um, every 10 years or so someone brings up a uh, sailing ship for cargo. Mm. Usually it happens when there's a well um, when there's a spike in fuel prices. Right now there's a bit of a slump in fuel prices because of uh, of COVID, but I think the um, this has probably been in the works for a few years.
0: I'm looking at the picture and man, it looks it looks impressive. I mean, even though it's a concept art, I mean, it looks imp- uh, I, as I said, it's, it looks impressive. But I'm just hoping it comes to light. Yeah,
1: it's a. I think it's a very pretty boat, mm-hmm. and it's great for something like cars because cars aren't um, they don't perish. So non perishable perishable goods like cars and containers. Assuming we adjust our logistics pipelines to have, I think it's an extra fifty percent travel time. Um, yeah, so they reckon the Ocean Bird will take uh, twelve days instead of seven to cross the Atlantic.
0: Okay. Although this yeah. type of like uh, th- this type of car carrying stuff, it just reminds me of. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with this. So in Japan, they would have like uh, portable car lifts. They like they'll take a droid It'll take a, a, a giant robot hand. It will just take the car and it will tilt the car like um. It's like a uh, uh, it's it's like one of, like I said. It's one of those t- um car elevators where they store it up nicely in in a little ramp. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah.
1: So, like I said, this is the, uh, the 2020 version, but I remember reading an article in Popular Science about 10 years ago where they reviewed an article they had published back in the 70s during the the 1970s fuel crisis and they um, they talked about the uh, sail ships of that time but the uh, the big difference between a hero class which is the willenius Wilhelmson and the mm-hmm. ocean bird is that it's not that much slower but it goes from uh, 120 tons of co2 per day to three to 12 tons per day
0: hmm. So, with this kind of technology, can we see? Are we seeing the future of sailing?
1: I'd like to think so. Um, cargo ships are very dirty, and they tend to burn rather nasty fuel. They burn what's called bunker fuel, which is fairly—it's uh, very polluting compared to more refined fuels, and it contains a whole bunch of uh, sulfur and other other dangerous chemicals that make it worse than a. Um, a diesel or petrol engine mm-hmm. but uh the interesting thing is the um the sulfur dioxide i think from uh from bunker fuel actually cools the earth slightly it changes the albedo of the atmosphere and reflects sunlight back out into space but we can't rely on that to stop uh global warming and the rest of the pollution from that is still nasty and bad for people and animals So a sailing ship would be a lot cleaner. Uh, They still use an engine for emergencies, but it would be able to greatly reduce those emissions. And I think it's um, good that they're testing it on non-perishable goods like cars first. And I hope that this spreads out into passenger cruisers, most container travel, basically anything that can take an extra few days.
0: Hmm. Oh, by the way, Professor, it's uh, called uh, rotating uh, car parks in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, those ones are very cool. Like how it's like a Ferris wheel. Some some of them are Ferris wheels. Yeah, those ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a, a couple of different models, aren't there? Yeah. There's one where the car goes up on a lift and gets inserted into a slot. And there's one where each rack of cars comes down to the ground level. I think. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: My biggest fear when it comes to um, stuff like these would be how would it adapt to environmental conditions? Like, uh, because it because it's not like it's going to be stable for uh, the oceans going to be stable for like years and years. Like you're going to get like storms and hurricanes and typhoons and stuff. How's it going to, how's the ship going to stay still? Well,
1: already ships tend to avoid uh, dangerous weather patterns because as much as your ship might be able to survive it, you just don't want to risk it. And it makes it uncomfortable. You go slower and worst case scenario, the whole boat sinks and you lose everything. Yeah, But um well, NES have loaded up all of their existing vessels, well some of their existing vessels with a bunch of sensors and done a whole bunch of research into what the uh, wind conditions are and that's how they built the ocean bird sails to be as efficient as possible but it does have a uh, an engine so in the event that there is a storm in the way and the sails aren't cutting it, it can ret- retract the sails and then just steam out of there. <laughs>
0: Can you imagine being the car owner and you have to pay, like, how much just to get your car stored in these things? Um,
1: yeah, so these are for, like, shipping from China to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I uh, can
0: imagine the markups on shipping prices. I think these would possibly be
1: cheaper than a, uh, a diesel boat. It would depend on whether your crew needed for an ocean bird costs more than a equivalent uh, diesel boat. because. Uh, the, the bunker fuel is cheap but that's probably not an insignificant cost considering it uses um uh, 40 tons of fuel per day Yeesh. yeah okay so I've just pulled it up to have a look at the f- bunker price fuel bunker fuel price
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, looks like it's running anywhere from about 250 bucks up to 350 bucks no Whoa. actually way higher 430 bucks I assume that's
0: per ton. Unless if they're going by gallon,
1: no, that wouldn't be gallon because a gallon of uh, consumer diesel is, you know, still only a few bucks. So I expect they would get a, um, a bulk discount. Yeah. Try and find another source.
0: Yeah. So it's saying I'm. I'm reading some of the comments here saying um people. So one of the uh, professors that's collaborating the project saying people are environmentally informed enough that we think that there will be customers willing to put their cars on a ship that goes roughly half as fast as today's ship if we can make it carbon neutral
1: yeah remember it's a um a bonus to your environmental image which some car makers volkswagen <clears throat> aren't so great at the moment considering they cheated on their emissions standards here we go i found another source which um does list the unit at U.S. dollars per megaton. Oh
0: yeah, so... the Volkswagen But here's the thing, though. Like, like this is this is like saying, okay, if we were to put this in postal terms, this is the new average, um, not not express kind of delivery. But this is your this is your new new delivery system. Uh, it will take as long as your traditional um delivery. But um, yeah. That's all. That's what. They, that's what all they're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah, like you do pay extra for if you want to get an express. But then, like I said, the interesting part is going to be how much car, um car, how much delivery markups you, you're going to see from car manufacturers at this point. I mean, image. I mean, being environmentally sound is vital. Yeah, after- they
1: like to use that as a um an excuse to put prices up.
0: Yeah. That's yeah that's what I'm fearing like we they, they it's it's like we're going to put we're going to we're going to put high taxes just because of um environmental benefits. I mean, it's good to have a cause, but you don't want to hurt the public want to hurt the public at the same time.
1: Yeah, my um power company has announced that they uh like offering green power now but you got to pay extra for it and they put the money into like into producing that green power building bigger wind turbines and stuff so anyway at um 323 dollars per megaton uh i think that that works out cheaper than i was expecting Mm mm-hmm so it could actually be that uh bunker fuel isn't that much in the grand scheme of things. It will also depend on whether you need extra crew for a, a sail ship.
0: That's going to be an interesting part as well. Like who's will, who's brave enough to maintain this ship? I don't think there's
1: any risk to the ship. I think they'll just use the, uh, well, if anything goes wrong, I'm sure they'll be able to just sail in under fuel power. Hmm. Oh well, uh, actually I am li- I, um, I might be wrong about the units I'm not sure I'm still looking at it. <laughs> no it's just confused me because they use the uh, technically the wrong units. Uh-oh. The website uses megaton with a capital T but under uh, SI ton is lowercase t.
0: Oh, would we ever see one of these ships in Australia, though? Yeah,
1: there's no reason not to. It'd
0: be mean, pretty cool to see it, and, and you know, imagine we're seeing one of those ships at uh, Sydney Harbour. I'd like to. Yeah, I wonder.
1: Although
0: how, I wonder how they're going to avoid the Sydney Harbour Bridge, though. <laughs> well, the the sails retract. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that would be one of the that would be one of the. Th- Cool sights to see, I imagine, like, sailing into Sydney Harbour and you see the ships, like, slowly retracting their sails. Yeah. Well, at least uh, Willinius are doing something good for society, unlike certain companies that's been uh, doing something horrible to society lately. Uh, I'm looking at you, EA, you naughty, naughty boy. did they do this? Why would you put full-length advertisements in a
1: full-price game?
0: Ah, oh, yeah, so you've got an interesting story about that, don't you? Yeah, so NBA
1: 2021 now has unskippable ads, and they, they did claim that this was a mistake and that they're going to change it back, but I think that's just because they got in trouble for it. What's more disturbing, though, is that the load time is longer than the advertisement.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was seeing Yong Yeah made a video about this, like... <laughs> uh... How could you get this so wrong? To like, uh, as sorry, as, as, sorry, not EA. I mean, two K, two K. You uh, you, mo- you
1: monsters. Right. Why did I let you bait me into saying EA?
0: <laughs> well, because NBA be fair, was-
1: EA's done this in the past.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. There's a source,
1: a link in the source to UFC four, which added uh, yeah, added advertisements.
0: Ah, uh, yes.
1: Ah, yeah. So NBA 2021 costs you, um, it's already quite expensive for a game, which, you know, games haven't really increased in price with inflation. So developers are trying to squeeze out a bit of extra money with microtransactions and stuff. Personally, I'd rather pay an extra 20 bucks for a game than deal with microtransactions and DLC and all of that. But the um, the launch version of NBA twenty twenty one is going to be ten dollars more on next gen than it is on current gen.
0: What? what yeah. Best- what? Look. And they
1: say it's being built from the ground up, <laughs> which I don't really believe that. Built I don't see from- why they'd do that. <laughs> what they like? What I think I would do if I was them is create a improved graphics version a lot of games are getting improved graphics versions for next
0: gen yeah yeah for uh, if i recall um i recently got uh, an update from Mortal Kombat 11 about that saying like oh next gens we're going to be playing on 4K TV and stuff like that so
1: yeah so what i would be doing is using the same engine and just modifying the graphics not building from the ground up, whatever that means, which doesn't make a lot of sense because consoles are all x86 these days, or yeah. not x86, but the yeah, it it's not a it shouldn't be a big deal to build across both generations.
0: What's really annoying about this is the fact that it just jars the gaming experience
1: hey, at least you've got something to watch during ridiculously long uh, loading times.
0: Yeah, or watch a commercial. I, mean, I could watch that on TV. <laughs> it's as annoying as one of those um, like YouTube ads, you know, when when you play like a very long clip and 30 yeah. minutes into it, it's like, oh, um, vote, for the, vote for this political party or sign up for solar panels. You're like, oh, it's so jarring. And I like how 2K uh, saying like, Nah, we're not going to do much about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it was an accident. I reckon they did it deliberately and then when everyone went nuts about it, they walked it back.
0: Uh, it's as a game developer, um you must get a lot of um you must be getting a lot of grief saying going like God, why why are games companies doing this?
1: Yeah, I like to think I'm fairly ethical and that I don't, you know, don't take advantage of people who want to experience my creations. But this is a, you know, this just creates animosity between the player and the developer.
0: Yeah, and... and- it also creates animosity between the um, the fan of the company and the company as well. I mean, like, that's
1: what I just said. Oh, I know, I know. The well, customer I, I, is the fan of the company.
0: I, I know, I know. I, I thought you. I, I, sorry if I misheard. That. I thought you were talking about as in like a developer from a person's perspective. Right. Type. No. It
1: um. It's just animosity between the people who play your games and you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so It's a, a
1: sports game, which, you know, it's not like they're putting that much effort into updating it. Yeah. Every year I check the reviews for the sports games, which I don't play, but every year people are whinging about how nothing's changed. They took away a feature people liked, whatever. But the, uh, yeah, this is um, an extra level.
0: Yeah. But here's the thing though, with uh, that, like when people do like reviews and stuff, some of the games are just cut and paste though. Like, um, yeah. I was watching, that's um, the, thing.
1: the, um, they've figured out that they can sell the same sports game over and over with minor changes. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't get why they don't sell it as a subscription or a DLC pack, because, um, that's the thing we do these days. We do games as a, as a service. Why is it that you can't buy the, like, I'm going to give them an idea here and you're probably not going to like how they implement it, but why don't they have a, a thing where you can buy the 2020 teams on your 2019 or 2018 copy of the game? Because it's just a, mostly just stat changes.
0: It's not only stat changes. It's also like cosmetic changes, like jerseys, uh, um, changing jerseys, changing team design, um, like team logos. Um, What else was there? There will also be like
1: hard to justify selling a whole new game, considering how little they do to differentiate them.
0: It also comes down to like um physical copies versus digital copies. Like people would love to see like who is in the cover of this um of the new NBA or who's on the cover of the new Madden and like that's I think that's why some people wanna buy them buy those Madden, um Madden games just for like oh um this guy was pretty popular at the time, you know? yeah yeah i by the way with uh Mad- with madden and how they always uh chop and check how they copy and paste all the time i remember angry joe was playing it and he was talking about uh how some of the elements from 2020 gets moved into 2021 and they and they haven't even changed anything significant
1: yeah 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 there's the same bugs and everything
0: yeah, I mean we've seen the same. Situ- I mean we've seen the same situation happen with um with Bethesda re- with Bethesda like years ago with um Fallout seventy six and how it's just basically bugs from Look, the. I know fall- twenty twenty feels like a long time. Yeah, but it's only been
1: one year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It feels like an eternity on internet time. Okay, it feels like thirty years <laughs> have passed.
1: <laughs> seventy six isn't that old, <laughs> but yes, it had the. I think it might have been hyperbole, but I think the there was a bug with the dragons in Skyrim that got carried over for the <laughs> uh, the Scorch Beast in um, in seventy six.
0: Do you reckon this? Um, what we're seeing now in terms of. Um, Madden and um, 2K and Bethesda, you reckon it's a symptom of game companies just going power hungry?
1: Yeah, I think there's two elements. One, that the um, games aren't increasing with inflation like they should be. Mm-hmm. And one, that the uh, the big shareholder-owned companies are just money hungry.
0: I mean, ESRB haven't done really much.
1: The ESRB aren't, uh, like, aren't responsible for that.
0: Or was it, but then governments are starting to step in. I, you would think like when governments step, when governments start to step in, ESRB will go, oh shit, they've started. <laughs> Quick, let's, let's, uh let's join the government's direction and denounce their yeah. practices.
1: Yeah. I've said it before. It'd be nice for developers to, um, to regulate themselves but if they don't, the government has to step in, and then it sucks for everyone.
0: That being said, though, the ads that they're playing on um, Madden—it's which is uh, the Oculus.
1: Yeah, in this case, it was an Oculus Rift ad. I don't know what other ads they they play.
0: Yeah, you reckon they would also come under fire? Like, hey, what the hell are you doing, man? No, <laughs> like, why are you contributing to this problem? No, it's not Oculus's
1: fault. Unless, well, maybe the Oculus contract says something about it. Uh, We probably won't ever see that contract. But in the end, it still is uh, 2K's fault for offering up that ad slot to begin with.
0: So, uh, speaking of slots, uh, finally, we get to talk about uh, Static Shock, the movie by Michael B. Jordan. So, um, recently, Michael B. Jordan, the actor famous for roles such as Killmonger in Black Panther, um, the son of Creed in Creed, and Did Creed he... 2.
1: Michael B. Jordan, is he the basketballer?
0: No, no. That's okay. Michael, Jordan. I Michael know, I, B. I,
1: Jordan, Michael Jordan,
0: Michael <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, I know it does get confusing, but this is the... more
1: confusing than Martin Luther and Martin Luther King.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh don't, I, I don't want to even go there. <laughs> so, Michael B. Jordan is um, signing up a project with his uh, studio called Static Shock, and his and his production company, Outlier Studios, is. Um, is this Warner-based studio, and it's going to be p- producing it with Warner Brothers. So this was announced on the August DC fandom event, and this was to jolt up a few kilowatts, giving the cult hero some firepower as it goes into active development. And uh, in a statement to the Hollywood Reporter, he goes, I'm proud to be part of building a new universe centered around black superheroes. Our community deserves that. And um, his studio, Outlier Society, is committed to bringing life diverse co- comic book content across all platforms, and we are excited to partner with Reggie and Warner Brothers on this initial step. I think it's, it, it, it's, it, it's a fun thing to do. Like, I mean, we've seen Marvel do the... Um, through the whole rounds of black superheroes in terms of Black Panther, um, Blade, to name a few. Yeah, sure. There's
1: totally space for more superhero media. It's not (laughs) like our last couple of weeks have been people whinging about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alan Alan Moore's... This is just basically Alan Moore saying, "I was right, wasn't I?" <laughs> yep. So, um, his studio will be the creative center of the static film for Jordan, who is a comic book fan. This is an opportunity for not only for some world building, but to be directly involved in franchise building. Uh, should the first park hit, should the first movie spark a hit, a multi-platform franchise could be born. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's true for anything. Yeah, here's the thing. Like with superhero movies, they and well, nearly every movie lately has been going down this path. I mean, Warner Brothers have tried. So here's the problem with Warner Brothers, though. They've tried to do this with the Justice League and suicide squad and everything and it there were hits and misses in that entire saga with warner brothers for michael b jordan to say like oh this could make a multi-platform franchise and this would be a great opportunity for world building and stuff i mean it's a pretty tall it's a pretty tall order i mean marvel of marvel are uh, the behemoth in this fr- in this sort of franchise yeah. So, uh, oh yeah. So, and so, for for anyone who's not um, familiar with Static Shock, so Static Shock is a superhero from the old Milestone Comics, which is a which was a defunct company. Now they brought it back, which was founded by Black Writers and actors, to, uh, Black Writers and artists to help make comics for a more inclusive space, and were distributed through the DC. And then. There was a TV show called Static Shock, which was centering around Virgil Hawkins, which was a teenager who transforms into a superhero and gains electromagnetic powers by exposure of a strange gas. And that was a pretty popular series as well. So we heard strange gases recently. <laughs> I know where you're gonna go with this, and I don't. I hope it's not the uh, New Warriors.
1: <laughs> it is. <laughs> So what? Well, this guy got exposed to gas and got the power of el- electricity. The other guy got exposed to gas and got the power of internet.
0: <laughs> it's like I, 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 I got I. I can imagine Static Shock and the new guy be like, I got the pa- I got my powers through gas. No, I got the powers through gas. Stop copying me. Don't you stop copying me. it's gonna be like the simpsons are like quit copying me but yeah i personally think it's 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 half warner brothers trying to copy the whole black panthers black panther phenomenon and michael b jordan just and michael b jordan just to try and make himself like yes i am in the forefront of self-inserting into anything i can be So this is a.
1: It all ties back to DC. Is this going to tie into Justice League?
0: I I hope I hope so. But I your guess is as good as mine. I mean, to be fair, like DC hasn't been doing. Warner Brothers hasn't been doing well in itself. Like they've been doing le- multiple layoffs. Like uh, DC DC lately have been um. Laying off a lot of people as well. So Warner Brothers have, has been lately doing under new, ma- has been going under new management. Uh, Michael B. Jordan in his studio, they've been taking a lot of projects as of lately. Like they recently had the uh, Genlock project with Bruce Teeth and that did not, eh, that did no, not go it well. Had a
1: lot of big actors, but I haven't heard anything of it since.
0: No, nah, all, all I heard is that they're going to be making. Um, there's gonna be season two of Genlock in uh, HBO Max, but that's about it. That's all I've heard so far. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's good. As I said, it's good to see Michael B. Jordan like t- doing something like this. But yeah, I I'm hard pressed to see how it will make um how it will start a new Justice League ish franchise, basically.
1: Maybe as a um a spinoff. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Frankly, it shouldn't. Um, as long as they don't jump straight into Justice League, like Marvel did the build up of, uh, you know, it was how long? Five years or something before they did um, Avengers. Mm-hmm. But it feels like uh, they keep doing um, DC keeps doing like one or two movies and them being like time for a crossover.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, good on him if he if he wants to be the forefront of it. But like I said, it's gonna be it's gonna be ambitious with the recent stuff that's happening with Warner Brothers. I mean, yeah, it, it could I see it this um the DC try and make another Justice League? Yeah, okay, maybe, but in this current time times time frame, possibly not, possibly not. I mean, only time will tell. And now a brief message from our sponsors. You're so cheesy. Oh, thank you.
1: Right at home.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use
1: code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See
0: site for details. So, uh, Professor, what game have you been playing this week? I've been playing Metro Exodus. It's the third game
1: in the Metro series. In this one, the rangers leave the uh, the tunnels and head out into the countryside on a train. It's a little bit Snowpiercer, which I love, but it also has some absolutely gorgeous um, settings.
0: What's the biggest flaw you've encountered in that game? Uh, I'm playing on the hardest
1: difficulty. So that's Ranger Hardcore Full Dive. <laughs> yeah, it, there's like, I like this. There's a lot of um, accessibility for different difficulty levels which is um well it's great that that it's there but it is a well ranger hardcore full dive is sort of the definitive way to play it's the most immersive it's um it's very hostile but the big issue i have with the ranger hardcore modes in the uh different metro games is that they take away basically every uh every ui element and that makes it a pain in the butt to do things like change your throwable item. So there's a a radial menu for what throwable item you have equipped. That normally would come up when you hold down the throw button and you would be able to select the item and then use it. There's audio cues, so you can still tell what you're equipping. But if you don't know the UI before you do full dive, you're screwed. And that's there's a lot of uh, places where that comes up. So you come to um, like, when you find a bed, you can sit down and sleep there, but you need to hold a button to, to sleep, a different button to sleep until morning, uh, one button to sleep till night, one button to have the drink from your bottle which heals you. So as much as I love Ranger Hardcore and think it's a definitive way to play, it does have its flaws. The plus side, though, it is bloody gorgeous. And the um, apart from having to... Oh, yes, the other thing. Uh, full Dive takes away the QTE indicator, mm-hmm. which seems to sometimes be tap and sometimes be hold and there's no way to tell what it is but um you know it's a gorgeous game it really shows its stalker roots so do you know the game stalker
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. So Metro, inspired by Stalker, inspired by uh, the movie Stalker, inspired by the novel Roadside Picnic. Uh, basically, the but anyway, the Stalker games basically uh, set in the the zone around Chernobyl. Um, and what makes the Stalker games great is that the world feels really alive. Uh, monsters aren't just reacting to you; they're hunting and moving around on their own. You know, they other characters have their own life. But um, Exodus has gone to sort of its um, inspiration by having a bunch of the levels in Exodus be open world. So you get dropped into an open world map of uh, several kilometers on a side, and then you follow a set of quests. But there's nothing keeping you from just wandering off and getting lost.
0: So uh, how many Nerdy Beanies out of five would you give this game at? out of uh um, four and a half out of five because there's just
1: the you know the little negatives and a few of the changes that just don't sit right um so actually one thing that's uh, interestingly um different is that the first two games had bullet economy So you had homemade bullets and military grade bullets, which were the currency. If you came across a tougher enemy, you could switch to military grade bullets and have a bit more power behind your bullet. But um, yeah, this game does away with that in favor of a crafting system, which isn't a big deal. You find um, you find junk around the level, grab it, and then you can make more bullets. It's not ridiculous amounts of crafting, and uh, uh, yeah. You know, I'm giving it a lot of points for being a great game, uh, even though it does have crashes and bugs and all of that. But when it comes together, which it does most of the time, it's incredible. The best moment I've had so far was sitting in some bushes, um, trying to line up a shot on some watchmen, which are these sort of mutated wolves. Mm -hmm. And having them howl and leap at me, only to realize they're hunting the... Uh, the small creatures in the grass that I'm not actually going to die, so it's worth it for the experience. I think
0: hmm. so. The immersion outweighs them, the, pro- the technical problems, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, for myself, I've been playing Among Us and yeah, it's totally addictive.
1: Yeah, you're stuck. Yep, you <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, I'm. Can't get out of it.
0: Nope, <laughs> I can't get out of it. I mean it's just fun it's it's fun i mean what could possibly go wrong though i'm still hoping we could get more um more modes into it like maybe get like as i said like a russian roulette mode or something just to try and make the games a bit more entertaining in terms in the discussion section
1: yeah they are still working on it so we will see what they come out with yeah i don't think i've heard anything about what they're actually doing
0: uh from what from their recent announcement all i saw was uh um, they they were going to be cancelling the last of, uh, Among Us 2. That's, yeah. that's what I saw. And then they've also uh, said that...
1: They're going to roll it back into Among Us 1. Yeah. So rather than make a sequel, they're just going to keep polishing this one.
0: Yeah. And they said, uh, due to Im- increased hacking, Among Us is undergoing emergency maintenance. So, yeah. And they're saying, we're also working on an account system with reporting and moderation featuring to fight toxicity okay so i mean it, okay fair enough fair enough at least i hope they don't do like what sony did the other day which was tap into every conversation and go yeah this is a uh, toxic let's ban you <laughs> um i'm giving mine uh four out of five the bit like um the biggest um flaw i encountered with this game is the bugs and there are some bugs. that are annoying. Like even if you're dead, you still you're still classed as alive somehow.
1: Yeah, that's the most annoying bug.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyways, onto our shout-outs. On the fifteenth of October, twenty twenty, it's the eightieth anniversary of the Great Dictator, from the nineteen forty American, American political satire comedy drama film, written and written, directed, produced, scored by. And starring British comedian Charlie Chaplin, this was Chaplin's first true sound film and a rousing condemnation of Hitler, Mussolini, fascism, anti Semitism and the Nazis. Chaplin's film was released nine months after the Hollywood's first parody of Hitler, the short subject You Nazi Spy by the Three Stooges, which premiered in january nineteen forty. The film was popular in the United Kingdom, drawing $9 million to the cinemas, despite Chaplin's fears that wartime audiences would dislike a comedy about a dictator. It was the second most popular film in the US in 1941. The film was banned in several Latin American countries where there were active movements of Nazi sympathizers. Charlie Chaplin's call for peace in the final speech of the great dictator is Rigette regrettably as relevant in the times we face today as it was in 1940. It's a good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And that, that speech at the end is, you know, really gets to me.
0: Oh, man, I feel like I want to play that speech now. Um, On the 18th of October 2020, China overtakes North America as world's biggest box office in 2020. China is officially home to the world's biggest box office, Movie ticket sales in China from 2020 climbed to 1.98 billion on Sunday, surpassing North America's total of 1.937 billion, according to data from Artisan Gateway. The gap is expected to widen considerably by year's end. Analysts have long predicted that the world's most populous country would one day top the global charts, with theaters in major markets still closed due to the United States' dangerously high unspecified illness of un- of unknown origin infection infection rates. due Much of the industry's chatter has turned to the question of whether the damage done to the domestic theatrical film model might become permanent. Some industry insiders also worry the escalating political turmoil between Washington and Beijing could soon undercut Hollywood's long-term foothold in China, the one market where sales are again strong.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't happen before.
0: Yeah. Well, now we can extend that joke from China now has better movies and better computers. On the 19th of October 2020, the 10th anniversary of Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas is a post-apocalyptic role-playing video game developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Bethesda Softworks. A spin-off of the Fallout series, the game is set in a post-apocalyptic open-world environment that encompasses a region consisting of Arizona, California, and Nevada. You know...
1: I'm going to have to put in many a true nerds review of uh, Fallout New Vegas here. Oh, yeah? Because um, there's, you know, I don't think anyone could say it better than he did.
0: <laughs> hey, it was a commercial success. I mean, it shipped like 5 million yeah. copies and it sold more than 12 million worldwide. It even got like a Golden Joystick Award for RPG of the Year in 2011 and nominated for two BAFTA Awards, Best Strategy Game and Best Story, as well as Navigator award for supporting performance in a drama you know um yeah even though they had 18 months to make it it came
1: out full of bugs it still outshines the Bethesda Fallout games and Bethesda are really jealous and bitter about that I think (laughs) but um it must suck to have someone make a game in 18 months that's better than any version you've done
0: but here's the thing though, like Beth like with the um obsidian recent Obsidian game, the um Outer Worlds, like everyone was saying like, Oh, this will be the game that kills Bethesda, this will be the game that kills Bethesda. Nope, that did not happen. Bethesda's still still gone strong. Bizarrely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um the other thing is though, Bethesda screwed over Obsidian with this. So even though Obsidian can't strike lightning twice. Mm-hmm. But Bethesda did screw them over in um, with this because they had a, a deal that Obsidian would get a bonus if the game reached, I think, 85 on Metacritic. It got 84.
0: Oh. Yeah. To quote um, Maxwell Smart from Get Smart, Mr. By that much. Yep. Uh, would you still, I mean, the, the good thing about Fallout New Vegas is The replayability. I mean, after so many years of being out of being in the uh, being on sale, people still play it. I mean, when was the last time you ever saw um, people say like, "Let's play Fallout 76"?
1: A few weeks ago, actually, because it was (laughs) doing a free weekend, and people were like, "Hey, let's check this out."
0: (laughs) Boy, were Uh, they wrong! (laughs) It's getting better.
1: Like, I I don't play it myself, but I watch many true nerds' reviews of it. And he did a playthrough of the new Wastelanders content, oh, yeah. which seems a lot better than the previous stuff. Like, your changes actually make a difference. Um, your yeah. choices make a difference. The um, characters are better.
0: Yeah, but it, the damage is already done. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Like It's a shame like- because, um, yeah,
1: many a tree node says the map is the best Fallout map three uh, D Fallout map made, but you know they screwed it up so badly. It would be inter- interesting to see if, um, say if if they reuse the map and made a single player RPG on it, sort of like how uh, who is it? Who does Far Cry?
0: Far Cry. That's um, yeah. Ubisoft, isn't it? Yeah, they do year
1: around Um, Far Cry spin off, Far Cry spin off, and the spin offs are basically the map from the previous game just reskinned so it would be interesting to see um the the 76 map done as a a single player rpg Mm
0: -hmm. on the 22nd of october 2020 james randy passes away at 92 uh james randy the internationally acclaimed magician and escape artist both praised and cursed for devoting much of his career career to debunking all things paranormal from spoon bending and water-dousing to spiritual channeling and faith healing has died. He, uh, he scorned fellow magicians who allowed or encouraged audiences to believe their work was rooted in extrasensory or paranormal powers. In stage appearances and on television, Mr. Randy, with his p- penetrating blue eyes and bushy eyebrows, duplicated mind re- mind-reading feats and other telepathic stunts, with ordinary hand and eye trickery and exposed a number of popular faith healers as frauds. He died from.
1: uh, And he still got the, uh, nobody ever claimed the $1 million prize for, um, I think it was telepathy. Oh,
0: I think uh, it was. Yeah. I think it was for the um, to if they can beat the, if they can, um, uh, yeah. um, Challenge from the dead. That's the one.
1: Yeah, he had a, a prizes for people who could prove that they were actually powered, and <laughs> nobody was able to claim it until I think just a couple of years ago. He withdrew the prize and founded a charity or something like that.
0: The challenge was terminated in twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hang a second. Uh, here we go. The million, the million dollar paranormal challenge. So it was a. Uh, it was offered by the James Randy Educational Fund to pay out 1 million to anyone who could demonstrate a supernatural or paranormal activity under agreed upon scientific testing criteria
1: yeah i'm disappointed no one ever claimed that the um I i don't know what the criteria were and whether the randy um whether randy's people were being reasonable but yeah it's, um, uh,
0: th- they've got the rules here i've got the rules here okay so the official challenge rule stipulated that the ch- participant must agree in writing to the conditions and criteria of the test. Claims that cannot be tested experimentally are not eligible for the challenge. Claimants were... Uh, were able to influence all aspects of the testing procedure and participants during the initial negotiation phase of the challenge. Applications for any challenge uh, that might cause serious injury or death were not acceptable. To ensure that the experimental conditions themselves did not negatively affect a claimant's ability to perform, non-blinded preliminary control tests are often performed. For example, the JREF had dowsers perform a control test in which the dowser attempts to lo- locate the largest um, the, the target substance or object using their dowsing abilities, even though the target's location has been revealed to the applicant. Failure to display a hundred percent success rate in the in the open test would cause their immediate disqualification. However, claimants were usually able to t- perform successfully during the open test, confirming that experimental conditions were are adequate. Um, Here we go. Uh, Claimants agreed to a readily observable um, success criteria prior to the test. Results were unambiguous and clearly indicated whether or not the criteria has been met. Uh, Here's
1: the thing, though. If you actually have powers, you don't need the million bucks because you'll be out there, like, winning the lottery and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. No, I do like that he exposed... the particularly bad ones as frauds.
0: No, oh, yeah. My my favorite one is his feud against um, Yuri Geller. Uh, um, yeah, Yuri, Yuri Geller. Was that the one who
1: was um, taking advantage of a family with a missing child?
0: No, no. This is Yuri Geller is the one with the uh, bending spoons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: a um, one of the ones that I think Randy debunked was taking a psychic taking advantage of a family with a missing child, and the psychic kept saying, "I feel your son; he's still alive." And turns out, nope, the son was dead oh, the whole time.
0: The craziest one, uh, as I was saying with Yuri Geller, the craziest one it, it that was the craziest one where it got to the point where Yuri started suing James Randy for like slander and stuff. Like he, uh, nineteen ninety one, Geller sued Randy for fifteen million on the charge of slander. Yep. the court dismissed the case, and G- Geller had to sell at the cost of him of one hundred and twenty dollars after Randy produced a cereal box which bore instructions on how to do the spoon bending trick. <laughs> <laughs> to Randy for, for, for coming up with this and there was another one where um Randy exposed uh, I think he I think Randy exposed Peter Popov as well
1: yeah Peter Popov is still going around though <laughs> he um Ash did a, a reading of a, a letter that Peter Popov sent him except uh, it was hilarious because the the names ended up being all wrong it was like brother Ash <laughs> And it's this rubbish, like, send me 50 bucks and you'll make 100.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, it's, a, I, I, with Randy's death, I mean, it's a big blow to the sceptic community. I mean, like, who else is there left? Like, there is there is um Richard Dawkins, and he's, la, the, I think he might be the last one of the greats in the sceptic movement.
1: Maybe if that's the last one, that's a sign that we don't need them anymore, which I hope is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. On to our remembrances, um, on the 19th of October, 1815, Paolo Mascagni, a Italian physicist and anatomist, he is well known for publishing the first complete description of the lymphatic system. His many discoveries in this field led to the composition and publication of Vasorum Lymph- Lymph- Lymphaticorum Corporis His- Humani Historia et Iconographia in 1787. Words, so many words. you not,
1: not great at the Italian.
0: Nope. <laughs> uh, Mascogny has been posthumously credited for the first discovery of the men- meningeal lymphatic vessels. Though his findings were, dis- those findings were disregarded during his lifetimes, these vessels were conclusively discovered in mice in 2014 and subsequently confirmed in humans and non-human primates in 2017. He died from sepsis at the age of 60 in Chuisdino, I like how his work was discredited and like centuries later, ah, he was right on the log.
1: That has happened so often.
0: (laughs) On the 19th of October, 1897, George Pullman, American engineer and industrialist, he designed and manufactured the Pullman sleeping car and founded a company, Pullman, for the workers who manufactured it. His Pullman company and also hired African American men to staff the Pullman cars who became known as Pullman Porters providing elite service. Pullman developed a railroad sleeping car, the Pullman Sleeper or Palace Car and they were designed after the packet boats that traveled the Erie Canal of his youth in Albion. After President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Pullman arranged to have his body carried from Washington, D.C. to Springfield on a sleeper, for which he gained national attention as hundreds of of thousands of people lined the the route in homage. And the body was carried on the presidential car that Lincoln himself had commissioned that year. Oh, that must be
1: awesome. Great uh, great advertising move there as well.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the company hired African-American freedmen as um, Pullman porters. Many of them were former domestic slaves in the South. In the South. Their uh, new roles required them to act as porters, waiters, valets, and entertainers, all rolled into one person. They were paid relatively well and got to travel the country. It was so prestigious, they were well-respected in the black communities. Um, Pullman believed that the former house slaves of plantations, um, plantation South, had the right combination of training to to serve the businessmen who had pro- patronized his um, palace cars. Pullman ha- became the first biggest, um, no, became the biggest single employer of African Americans in the post Civil War America. He died from heart attack at the age of sixty six in Chicago, Illinois, on the nineteenth of October, nineteen thirty seven. Ernest Rutherford. Ernest Rutherford, first Baron Rutherford of Nelson, was a New Zealand-born physicist who came to be known as the father of nuclear physics. Encyclopedia Britannica considers him to be the greatest experimentalist since Michael Faraday. In early works, Rutherford discovered the concept of radioactive half-life the radioactive um, element radon, and differentiated and named alpha and beta radiation. He performed the first artificially induced nuclear reaction in 1970, 1917, in experiments where ni- nitrogen nuclei were bombarded with alpha particles. As a result, he discovered the emissions of subatomic particles, which in 1919 he called the hydrogen atom. Rutherford is considered to have been among the greatest scientists in history. He died at the age of 66 from complications of a strangulated hernia in Cambridge. On to our famous birthdays, on 19th of October 1862, Augustus Lumaire, French engineer industrialist biologist and illusionist during 1894 to 1895 he and his brother louis invented the animated photographic camera and projection device the cinematog- cinematograph which m- met with worldwide success the brothers screened their first film using the device in 19- in 1895 following the success of their initial venture opened a number of cinemas worldwide however augusta Augusta was um, skeptical of the potential of the device, remarking my invention could be exploited as a scientific curiosity, but apart from from that, it has no commercial value whatsoever. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> <laughs> After his work on the cinemat- cinematograph, Le began focusing on the biomedical field, becoming a pioneer in the use of x-rays to examine fractures. He also contributed to innovations in military aircraft, producing a catalytic theatre to allow cold-weather engine starts. He was born in Besancon. Boy, I'm going to be so wrong in the pronunciations. Yeah, probably. Yep, and nineteenth of October, nineteen forty. Sir Michael Gambon, um, Irish British actor who was who has worked in theater, film, and television. He was trained under Laurence Olivier and um, started his work on stage in the Brit- in the National Theatre. He received a Tony Award nomination for Best Actor in the Play for his work in David Hare's Skylight on Broadway. Gambon retired from stage acting in twenty fifteen due to memory loss. He's famous for portraying Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter film series, starting from the third film after the death of original actor Richard Harris.
1: Yes, that's a shame, but he did, um, I think he did the role well, apart from a few things like, Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore asks <laughs> calmly. <laughs>
0: Well, there is emphasis on the fact that he cared for the boy later on. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2020, he, he was listed as number 28 on the Irish Times list of Ireland's greatest film actors. He is a qualified pilot, and his love of cars led to the appearance on BBC's Top Gear program in December 2002. Gambon raced the Suzuki Liana and w- was dangerously so aggressive that it went around the last corner of his timed lap on two wheels. The final corner of the Top Gear test track has been named Gambon in his honor. He appeared on the program again on 4th of, July, 4th of June 2006 and set the time in a Chevrolet Lissette, Lissetti on 1, 1.5, uh, 1 minute 50.3 seconds, a significant improvement from his improved time of 1 minute 55. He clipped his namesake corner on the, a second time and when asked why by Jeremy Clarkson, replied, I don't know. I just don't like it. He was born in Cabra, Dublin. Uh, 19th of October, 1945, Gloria Jones, American singer and songwriter from Cincinnati, Ohio, who found success in the UK being recognized as the Queen of Northern Soul. She recorded the 1965 hit song Tainted Love and had worked in multiple genres as a Motown singer, uh, songwriter, and recording artist a prolific background, backup singer, and a performer in musicals such as Hair. So, so, so strong was Jones's following in North England that she proclaimed the North, Northern Queen of Soul. She was born in Cincinnati, Ohio.
1: Yeah, most people probably know the cover of Tainted Love, but the original's pretty good too.
0: Yeah. Like when you first mentioned Tainted Love, I'm like, I've heard that song before, Tainted Love. And then and, then I, and then when you told me it was a cover, I'm like, ah, it's a cover?
1: Okay. Huh. Yeah, so yeah, you probably heard the cover
0: Yeah, uh, on to our events of interest uh, 19th of October 1216, King John of England dies at Newark on Trent and is succeeded by his 9-year-old son Henry uh, He's famous for his involvement in Magna Carta for losing the crown jewels in the wash and as a villain of the Robin Hood legend History's verdict on him has been thoroughly negative and no subsequent English monarch has wanted to be called John but well, he has his defenders and still has. And a uh, funny story about uh, the John uh, uh, about John losing his um, jewelry. His uh, baggage train got trapped in quicksands and and the incoming tide swept away carts, men and drought animals. Among the possessions that were lost, John took with him everywhere, including, um, according to some chronicles, sacred relics and other precious treasures. The English crown jewel certainly disappeared about that time. He has been suffering from gout uh, since 1215 and was seized by dysentery. He went to Newark Castle in Nottinghamshire, and from there on October 15, he wrote to to Pope Honorius III, asking for absolution and hoping for God's mercy. He died from from a he died during a fearsome thunderstorm on the night of October 18th and 19th, aged 48 or 49. Yeah, of- so
1: the Wash was actually a is actually a shallow bay in a, in England, and the the tide goes out and leaves firm sand that they were attempting to cross. So when when you say he lost it in the wash, it sounds like you know he's doing the dishes.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah, but um, it is actually crossing the bay. They got stuck and
0: lost it. That's fair. True. On the 19th of October, 1900, Max Planck discovers Planck's law of black body radiation. Planck was especially um, intrigued by the formula found in 1896 by his colleague, Wilhelm Wien. And he made a series of attempts to derive Wien's law on the basis of the second law of thermodynamics. By October 1900, however, other colleagues had conducted additional experiments and found definite indications that Wien's law, while valid at high frequencies, broke down completely at low frequency. So Planck went back to work. He knew that entropy of the radiation had to to depend mathematically upon its energy in the high frequency region if Wien's law had held there. Um, Planck presented this latest formulation at a meeting of the German Physical Society on October 19, 1900, which was hailed as indisputably correct, but to Planck it was simply a lucky guess, and he was set about deriving the formulation from first principles. By December 14, 1900, he had succeeded in doing so, but only by introducing what was to prove a revolutionary concept in physics. The oscillators comprising the black body and re emitting the radiant energy in- incident upon them but, um, could not absorb this energy continuously, but only in discrete amounts or quanta of energy. 19th of October 1945, streptomycin, the first antibiotic remedy for tuberculosis, tubiculo- is isolated by researchers at Rutgers University. A biochemistry grad student discovers streptomycin, a synthetic antibiotic used to treat tuberculosis and other infectious diseases. Sole credit for the discovery initially went to Salem Wakesman, who would receive the Nobel Prize in 1952, who ran the laboratory at Rutgers University where the research was performed. But it was Albert Schatz, a 23-year-old graduate student under Waxman, who actually isolated the antibiotic after, the, after several months of feverish work. Schatz said that he agreed at the time that he believed that streptomycin could, should be made available quickly and cheaply. It was 1990 before Schatz finally received the official credit he spent all his adult life pursuing. 19th of October 2010, the BBC's sci-fi telefilm adaptation H.G. Wells, the first man in the moon saw its first broadcast. On this day in 2010, the BBC's sci-fi telefilm the adaptation of H.G. Wells' The First Men in the Moon saw so its broadcast. The remake starred Roy Kinnear and Mark Gatnes, and here's the plot. In 1969, the Apollo moon landing is to be televised internationally. But at a county fair in England, a small boy named Jim meets the 90-year-old Julius Bedford, who tells him that in 1909, as a struggling writer, he met eccentric Professor Carver, inventor of Carverite, a gravity-defying substance which they used to build a sphere, which took them to the moon. Captured by uh, ant-like selenites, Bedford was anxious to make his escape, but Carver was happy to stay and communicate with the moon dwellers. Back on Earth, Bedford hears via wireless that Carver was forced to kill himself and the moon dwellers to prevent them from invading Earth. As Jim watches the Apollo landing with his parents back in the present, he sees a Selenite hiding behind a lunar rock, peering at the astronauts. The first broadcast was watched 8- 830,000 people, the third largest multi-channel audience of the night. Why does this remind me of Doctor Who?
1: Well, it's um classic sci-fi. Doctor Who's probably inspired by it.
0: So um, that's all we have for this week. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Spotify, iTunes, That's Not Canon.com, where we have an archive of our old episodes. And you can also find some um, new That's Not Canon podcasts, such as We Are Starting a Cult. Yes, that, that is actually a podcast name for anyone that's curious. To be clear,
1: this is a theoretical, not actually starting a cult.
0: <laughs> you can also find us on um, Pod Hero.
1: On Pod Hero for $5 a month, you can support us and the other That's Not Canon podcast. Your subscription is split among the podcasts that you listen to.
0: So that's all we have for this week. Uh, Take care of yourselves, stay hydrated, and see you next time. You stole my line again.